what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Margaret Davidson, co-founder of Bach Baby uh, Baby Clothes and Blankets with a focus on full circle sustainability. And with that, Margaret, welcome. Thanks for making the time. Thank you, Matt. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is really cool. I actually met you, uh, what was the brewery that you were at? Alternation. Yeah, yeah. on your last day. I know, I was working my side <laughs> job on the very last day. Um, yeah, still got a side job, but a better one. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you now? Um, I'm doing graphic design for Sticker Mule, which is a, a it's oh, a big custom printer. Yeah, they're based out of Boulder. I didn't know they were in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Well, they actually, they started in um, Amsterdam, New York. Okay. That was like their original location. And now they've got offices all over the world, actually. But they've got a big one in Boulder. Cool. Mm-hmm. I but will... I, I'm working remote, so I can do my business at the same time. Good. Mm-hmm. I've got some sticker ideas, so you're, oh, you're well, the person. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, I can get free stickers for anyone now. <laughs> Sticker hookup, right? That's right. Perfect for all my small business owners. Yeah. <laughs> so it was as I was driving over to your place, we're outside on a just a gorgeous April uh, afternoon, Colorado yeah. here, and I was just thinking about the like the conversation. It was kind of slow in the bar, mm-hmm. and I think for entrepreneurs, one thing I would suggest is just talk to anybody and everybody about what's going on and it was just kind of dull in the bar and was like hey what do you got going Mm -hmm. on that's how I found out about Bach baby and then take me through the the origin story of it yeah so um we're still a pretty new company we launched um last year on Mother's Day so we're coming up on our one year anniversary mark in business um in about a month um and essentially what our company is, is we're a baby clothing brand. Um, we've got a collection of uh, clothes in sizes zero to two, um, basics, kind of soft um, soft and cozy stuff for baby to lounge in while they're at home, sleeping. Um, we're gonna get a little bit more into pajamas as we um, grow and release some new products. Um, but essentially the whole idea is that um, we're a brand that's committed to full circle sustainability, which is something that does have a very wide niche in the fashion market. Um, in the baby market, it's something that, um, you know, we'd like to see more of. And that's kind of was the impetus for us to build a brand um, around that concept, specifically for the children's clothing industry, just because there is so much turnover um, and clothes do get worn for such a short amount of time before they're discarded or put away in boxes. Um, And, you know, we really wanted to do something smarter um, in terms of giving people and parents an option of what to do with their outgrown baby stuff that would not only reward them in a substantial way, um, but also, you know, be able to make them feel good about where their um, donated clothes were going. So that's essentially um, why we started the brand was to kind of, I guess, um, give parents the opportunity to donate um, along with purchasing so that they could, it, you know, sort of follow the one in one out kind of philosophy that's mm. getting more pos- more popular. Um, I know Marie Kondo's show has really um, <laughs> made people want to go through their closets and simplify their lives. And um, I, I think there's, um, you know, 
not um, not a better. I mean, there's no better group of people who who could probably use something like that than new parents that sure. um, have enough to worry about other than what to do with all these outgrown clothes. Um, so we want to give people a really easy way to simplify their space and at the same time to um, give back to people who um, to families in need, along with making sure that uh, used and outgrown baby clothes never wind up in a landfill. So when you say full circle sustainability, um, it sounds a lot like farm to table in the restaurant business. What does it mean specifically for for baby clothes? So um, we say full circle sustainability because we really want sustainability to be the common thread from the production and manufacturing Mm -hmm. process all the way to the post-consumer end cycle of a garment. So what that means is, you know, we're not only committed to producing our clothing in the most sustainable and ethical way possible, um, which we do by manufacturing domestically here in the U.S. We source all of our factories um, in person, um, and you know we make sure that that they're following the highest standards um, that we know of in terms of reducing waste at the production level, as well as taking care of their employees. Um, and you know we're able to charge more for our products. Um, because we're committed to providing that sort of commitment on the manufacturing side of things. And then um, on the post-consumer side of things, we also didn't want to just end there. We wanted to also create a system where we could take back used and outgrown baby clothing from our customers as part of this whole circular model. Uh, So what we do is we include prepaid return labels in all of our shipments. Um, So parents, yeah, so parents can actually reuse our packaging, whatever their order came in, um, to send back used and outgrown baby clothing. Any brand, any size, we'll take back. Um, So we don't, you know, limit it to just our own brand, whatever fits in the mailer or the box that your order came in. um, You can ship back to us, and we'll make sure that it gets donated or recycled or responsibly recycled, depending on the condition that those donations are in. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love the <clears throat> the, the full circle side of that, too, because it's something that I think about with the warm front, too. Mm-hmm. It's like I get, I see Rafa cycling apparel yeah. online, mm-hmm. and then I've got a kind of a loose relationship with Lululemon, mm-hmm. and I see their packaging that, yeah, it's an experience, right? right? And I get it because, like, unboxing right. is a thing on Instagram. Yeah. But I look at that and it's like, there's magnets in this box and the cardboard. And I look at this box and like, what am I going to do with this? Right. Right. And then it's like, you feel bad about, you know, recycling something that is meant to be tossed out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, and I I look at that and I ship only when I ship out a warm front, I, Mm -hmm. I stop putting hang tags on there. Yeah. Um, I, have just a plastic bag to protect it in there and even that it's kind of like well can I eliminate this Mm -hmm. because I don't want to add you know I when I go shopping there's stuff at King Supers where it's the you scoop it into the little frozen chicken bucket and put a lid on it and I'm literally cooking it that night Mm -hmm. transporting it a mile and then throwing that away Mm -hmm. and I think about that and I'm like well geez I don't you know you can't solve all the problems, but you can make a little bit of a difference where exactly. you're Exactly. And I mean, it's about a collective effort. So, you know, I mean, we really are seeing a shift in consumer culture towards, um, you know, being more sustainable, being more concerned with sustainability and making that something that people um, really look for in terms of the brands that they that they shop at. And, um, you know, we have seen a shift in 
large corporations that didn't care at all about, you know, offering a sort of sustainable commitment to their customers that are now um, really trying to do that because they're seeing also that it's what people want and um, it's what people expect now as well. Um, So whatever we can do collectively to just continue to make that the reality, um, you know, we're doing a good job. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So are you a sewer? Do you sew? Do you? No. Never, I don't either. I've never sewn anything in my life <laughs> other than some uh, some very poorly sewn hems. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I was actually, I, I have no experience in apparel or fashion um, before I started this company. Um, neither did my co-founder. We really came into this industry very fresh. Um, and we figured out how to make baby clothes pretty much from scratch. But um, we get some much more talented people who know how to sew to sew our stuff. <laughs> so Absence our, of ego. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> we're, we're a Denver-based company, um, but our all of our production happens out in Los Angeles. Okay. Yep. So we, um, we also wanted to be able to know as much about our own supply chain as we possibly could. Um, so we really... Um, made an effort to piece together our supply chain from start to finish and be fully domestically manufactured. So um, even the only thing that's not sourced domestically um, is the yarn, Uh, but our fabrics are woven here in the U.S. They're dyed and printed out in Los Angeles, and then they're cut and sewn there as well. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the warm fronts are made in Canyon City. Oh, wonderful. at the prison. Yeah. A friend of mine has got some, like, industrial sewing. She does horse blankets and a bunch of other stuff. So awesome, yeah. And everybody I've talked, not everybody I've talked to, but some people that are in the outdoor athletic apparel Mm -hmm. business, they're like, oh, man, if you went to Mexico or went overseas, you know, you could drop your profit margin or drop your costs, raise your profit margin. I'm like... Yeah, but Linda makes every single one of these. Like right. I know, yeah. and it's it's important to me because totally to be able to scratch her some checks for the manufacturing. It's totally, great. it's really important to have um, relationships with the people that are part of your supply chain and are making your your clothing and your products. And I think that um, that's something that often gets lost when you take your production overseas. Um, I think it's just much harder to really know what's going on and really know um, who you're dealing with. Um, and especially for us, I mean, that's not to say that there aren't, you know, super ethically run factories all over the world. Um, but we definitely, um, coming into, you know, the fashion industry with no experience, we had no idea how to, <laughs> how to find those factories, you know, in India and China and whatnot. Um, so we figured we'll start in the U.S., yeah, two-hour flight to Los Angeles as yeah, opposed to exactly. 18 hours overseas. And that way we'll be able to know who we're working with and we'll be able to communicate with them um, whenever we need to. And, I mean, the other great thing about domestic manufacturing when you're small is that, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be as cheap, but you're also going to have um, lower minimums. Mm-hmm. So you can do small batch manufacturing and, I mean you can get product turned around for you within a couple of weeks. Whereas if you're manufacturing in China, you better be ordering a thousand units and they're not going to get there for three or four months. And by then tastes have changed, colors have changed, mm-hmm. the seasons have changed. Exactly. So I exactly. am not smart enough to think four months ahead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> at this level of where we're at in business, we're still on the um, on the very scrappy side of uh, running out of product and then needing to reorder with our factory and just asking them, how soon can you do this for us? <laughs> That's good. You know, quantity is limited. Order now. There's right. there's, there's a marketing element right, to that. Right, right. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, the U.S. apparel manufacturing is a growing industry. Um, and I think for you and I being able to... Um, support that in the ways that we are by giving our business to um, sewers here as opposed to abroad, it is really rejuvenating and bringing back an entire industry that um, was at a time, you know, on the top of its game. Um, and I think that a lot of the sewing skills um, and and facilities really moved elsewhere just because labor was cheaper. But um, a lot of those factories and uh, a lot of that industry is is coming back and it's growing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even Colorado, you know, I mean, there's yeah. like more and more cotton sews here than there were five or ten years ago. Yeah, my buddies mm-hmm. uh, function function where they make neck tubes, oh, so nice. they're up by the airport, like yeah. seventy or by Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, and they're they've got uh, four full time sewers there. Awesome, and a bunch of machines, mm-hmm. and they're making that stuff here. And totally, I love those guys for a bunch of reasons. But they they have one product, mm-hmm. and they saw my product. That's kind of one thing, and it's like they totally got it. And I had been looking for a sublimation vendor and found some people that took care of me, but just were like, wait, what do you need? What do you yeah. want to do? And they're like, boom, we got this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So when I meet somebody like that and it just adds fuel to my engine and there's a collaboration, it's just, it's a great feeling. Totally. Yep. I totally agree. And then if they're close enough to, you know, be able to pop in and say hi when you want to, that's even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't sew. You've never been in the fashion industry. Are, you, in the are fashion you a mom? Industry. Not a mom. <laughs> so, um, all right. Now why baby clothes of all the things that you Why did? baby clothes? <laughs> so um, I didn't really talk about our own internal donation program. I just kind of said that we collect donations, yeah. but really the whole idea for our company started after my co-founder and I served as Peace Corps volunteers in Senegal. Oh, um, wow. So that's in that's in West Africa, um, and I was working on maternal and healthcare related projects in a very small village, um, and I worked directly with midwives in rural clinics, um, trying to you know help them give women in their communities a better birthing experience, whether that meant um, trying to raise money to buy new equipment um, or just make the space more comfortable. That was something that I that I worked at for my whole time during the Peace Corps. When I got back, my sister was nine months pregnant with my oldest nephew, um, and I didn't have anything to do, so I kind of just moved in with her and helped her out with the baby. And, um, you know, being fresh from Senegal and seeing, you know, how little people have, especially when it comes to parents that are just, you know, having new babies, it was such a stark contrast with everything that she had at her home that she had gotten mostly as gifts from her baby shower. And I mean, my nephew, he, he was like nine pounds when he was born. So he was like, (laughs) that's a turkey. Totally. So he didn't even, I mean, he was, he didn't, I don't think he ever fit into newborn size, anything. And she had gotten all of these like packs of like multiple newborn onesies that were never even opened. Um, And, you know, we were talking about it one night and I mean, we were saying that like, it's crazy how this is something that parents in this, in this country, you know, this is part of having a child is getting stuff and then having a lot of baby stuff. (laughs) 
<laughs> and not all of it gets used. Um, and the stuff that does get used, especially when you're talking about wearables, since kids grow out of their stuff so fast, it'll be worn for a few weeks, maybe a few months. Usually, um, you know, it's still in great condition yeah. after baby grows out of it. Um, of course, you can always save it for the next child or pass it down. Um and that's great. You know, we encourage um, thrifting. We encourage, you know, hand-me-downs. And we're part of that revolution, too, because, you know, if for whatever reason you're the end of the line on a hand-me-down chain or, you know, you have a boy after a girl and you've got all of these little dresses that you don't know what to do with anymore, you know, we want to give people an option of giving them a way to donate those um, that's super easy for them with their busy lives. Um, so we created this idea of a mail-in donation program where, um, you know, everything that people would purchase would come with the option um, to send back using outgrown baby clothes. And then, you know, we would make sure that they're responsibly recycled or donated. And we'd also let our customers know where those donations are going. So instead of dropping a big garbage mm. bag at Goodwill, not really knowing where anything is going to end up, we really wanted to be transparent about where your donations go and how they're being used. Um, the reason we really wanted to do that is because we wanted to facilitate our own donation program where we would provide newborn care bundles to women who delivered in rural clinics in Senegal. So we came up with an idea for, hey, like, if we're going to be getting back, you know, receiving blankets and infant clothes in great quality, let's try to do something smart with them. And why not give back to a place that we care about and um, work with people that we already have working relationships with? So we went back to some of the midwives that I had worked with in the in a rural area of northern Senegal and, um, you know, brought up the idea of this donation program, this idea of, um giving out newborn care bundles to women who deliver there that would include a receiving blanket, some infant clothing, and health information for them to take home. Um, and then have that be not only a comfort gift um, to anybody who delivers in a rural clinic, but also be an incentive for women in rural areas to actually go into the health post to deliver as opposed to um, staying at home, which happens a lot. And it's, um, you know, part of it's a it's a big contributing factor to a high maternal and child mortality rate over sure. in Senegal um just because you know if everything goes well um there's nothing you know all's well and good and y'all you know all will be fine if if grandma delivers the baby but if something um doesn't go perfectly and you are at home and nobody knows that you're delivering and you're 20 miles away from anyone that can help you out, um, it becomes a very dangerous situation. Um, so the Ministry of Health, um, which is the public health arm of the Senegalese government, their primary objective right now in terms of maternal and child health care is to reduce that um, infant and maternal mortality rate by primarily by um, making sure that women who are living in rural areas go into health posts to deliver um, so that they can deliver under the care of trained midwives. And if there is any sort of issue where they need to be evacuated to a larger facility where there are doctors present, um, the midwives would be able to do that and to coordinate transport. Um, so that's also kind of one of the reasons why we conceptualized the donation program and why our midwives and the Ministry of Health was on board with supporting us. Um, so yeah, I mean, Basically, the whole company came out of the idea to 
do something smarter with used and outgrown baby clothes that we knew so many parents had a ton of um, and then use our our passion and our connection to Senegal and to um, maternal and child rural, rural health care to give back um, in that sort of very specific way that was personal to us um, and meaningful, you know, to our customers as well, because we can really tell that story and, um, you know, feel like we're sharing a really genuine thing, not just about our brand and ourselves, but about where the clothes that they donate may very well wind up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once we kind of conceptualized the donation program, we actually started out thinking that we were going to do a, subs- a subscription box and just oh. curate <clears throat> other baby brand products into like like gift boxes for um, for new moms and babies. And then the further we got down that road, I mean, we sort of just like we, we were just doing a lot of research on the subscription box thing. And it's kind of already had its heyday. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's great for people that that are interested in doing like a, you know, a gift for every trimester of pregnancy. But ultimately, most people who give a baby gift are only going to do it once. Um, so we decided plus, I mean, you know, you you take a hit with your margins when you're just a reseller. Um, and especially if we were going to do this return donation program, it just w- wasn't it didn't give us enough opportunity to really grow as a business um, without having the margins that we would get with selling our own products. So that's kind of where we started thinking, well, I mean, if if the whole idea for the brand is about this donation program, then like let's make our own brand and let's have our own branded products. And I have um, my background is in graphic design. Um, so I do all the textile prints for our collection. Um, I had never really designed clothes before, but in my head when we first started out, I was like, oh, baby clothes, how hard can it be? <laughs> a year and a half later of product <clears throat> development and, and it can be tricky. Um, probably not as hard as some other things, but there were definitely, it was, it was definitely a learning experience, but, um, here we are, you know, two years later, really two and a half at this point from when we really started, um, you know, working on this to, we've got a collection of, of clothes. We've got 76 SKUs in our, uh, in our line. Yeah. So we, we kind of came out of the gate swinging with, um, a pretty varied number of styles and prints. And then the concept is really to keep the styles very basic and expand sizes and then just do different prints and patterns for all of our different stuff. So keep things fresh that way. But um, really, we want to be a leader in sustainable baby basics. So you definitely had a lot of baby exposure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I, I, I love babies too. So the idea of starting a brand what that, you know, I would just get to hang out with baby models all the time sounded like a great idea. <laughs> that does. <laughs> that does. Yeah. And it's funny, I mean, people always say, um, like the fashion industry is a really is really brutal um and can be super cutthroat and competitive, which I mean, it definitely is, but I think when you're when you're making baby clothes, it's it's less so. <laughs> <laughs> people tend to be nicer to you just because, um, you know, your product inherently conveys um, joy to many people. <laughs> well, 
Well, I look at the Prince and the the taxi one is my personal favorite. But oh, that's it's my just, favorite too. It's just uh, it's it's whimsical. Yeah. And I was thinking, I wonder if that could be made into a T-shirt that I could wear. Like I don't know if. Oh that's yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We, we've got um we've got an idea for like a two-piece pajama set in adult sizes too for oh. down the pipeline. So you know, it, it's there's a big holiday market for matching PJs for like the whole family to wear so we're definitely <laughs> i've threatened my kids with that photo <laughs> oh yeah yeah so we're definitely gonna jump on that bandwagon as soon as we get it together to um make those pajamas in in adult sizes um but yeah we totally um have talked to our factory about just making us a, a few t-shirts just for us to wear <laughs> <laughs> And so I'll keep you in mind, Matt. You'll get one. You want okay. the taxis? Uh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so graphic designer, and I've asked uh, a lot of entrepreneurs this question, um, business plan? Have you written a business plan? Like how deep did you mm -hmm. go into that? Because I've seen it on both sides where people were a business major and they have this thing kind of planned out as much as they yeah. can. And others where it's like, I just had a gut feel and I went for it. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of middle of the road when it comes to how I guess organized um, we are in terms of having a business plan. Um, we had a biz we had three iterations of a business plan before we launched. Mm. Um, since we've launched, it's pretty much been so go 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 that we haven't gone back to our business plan. I don't think once, which is probably pretty common for entrepreneurs to you know before you launch, you're yeah. like, oh, we're gonna do this and this and this on a certain time frame. And then you get into it and your, you know, your timelines go to shit and <laughs> you're just day by day trying to get through um, fulfilling orders. And um, I think it's more of a thought exercise at some point. Totally. You know, I, I yeah. wish everything went according to plan, but it doesn't. Exactly. So we had a rough idea of how we wanted to scale our business. Um, we we really want we really wanted at the outset to be all direct to consumer. Um, being a bootstrapped brand, it's very hard to create a, di a direct to consumer brand in the digital space without having any name recognition beforehand. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to um, make that work on its own, I guess, without having a significant amount of marketing dollars to put into online advertisement, which as you know, being an e-commerce, business owner um you know if you can't spend a ton of money on upfront advertising costs then it's very hard to grow within the digital space rapidly having yeah. no name recognition prior so we sort of learned probably about four or five months in that focusing only on on the online space wasn't going to grow our brand fast enough um uh, for you know how we wanted how we wanted our first year in business to go, so we really started thinking about you know we gotta hit the pavement and really get our stuff in front of people and let people touch our clothes because they're super soft and that's something that gets lost in the um, online buying experience. Absolutely. Um, and you know retail was something that we're super apprehensive about because we are. You know, as as I said, we do take a lot of care um, on our manufacturing end to make sure that things are done sustainably, purposefully, and ethically, um, which does make our manufacturing costs, um, you know, higher than I would say traditional the traditional manufacturing cost is for for a similar garment. 
Um, but with mm-hmm. that in mind, I mean, it it does it does put a little bit of pressure on um, the whole wholesale notion because we are working with tight margins to begin with. Yep. Um, so we really wanted to avoid doing much wholesale in the very beginning, just because we wanted to find our footing, see if we could do, um, see if we could sustain our business on direct to consumer sales alone. Um, as we got into it, we started getting a lot of requests from, uh, boutiques and retailers for, um, wholesale. And just in the past two months, um, we've decided to start doing wholesale and we've pretty much tried to we kind of went back to a little bit about our business plan and looked into all of our margins our cost of goods sold and really went back and said okay like we're not growing fast enough doing only direct to consumer we don't have enough of a marketing budget to spend on online advertisement so we've got to get our products into the hands of consumers and we've got to get sales really in any way that we can right now while we're growing. Um, And that's really going to accelerate us and allow us to be able to put some more money into online marketing, really grow our direct-to-consumer arm while still um, sustaining our business. So we've been taking wholesale orders for the past couple months, and we're super excited about it because everybody that we partner with, um, we personally vet, so we only like our products to be in stores that... um, you know, have similar values and, um, you know, market to our demographic, et cetera, et cetera. And for the most part, I mean, the partners that we have thus far are are really wonderful. And um, we're looking forward to doing more wholesale, getting our stuff in front of more people. And then at the same time, um, working on things that will grow our, our website sales. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> you, you, hit upon a very key point that I think about almost daily is the direct to consumer versus mm-hmm. the retail market. Yep. And when I first launched the warm front, I was working full time in a bike shop. And so they had three locations. Mm-hmm. And so I paid for a, basically like an insert into a plastic bag yeah. for it and got them in on consignment, basically like mm-hmm. probably 10 or 12 units. Yep. And I worked one day at this other store and they were sitting there under the accessories and I worked in the store and the store manager had no idea what they were. They had just arrived from the central location and that initially it turned me off to retail and I looked at what I could control and Mm -hmm. you hit upon a very, very key point that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about is mm-hmm. how do you sustain the business how do you keep yeah. it going mm-hmm. and so i'm more on the other side like my online sales they could always be better but right. my online presence is good right and after talking with you and uh, sarah from vander jacket right who i'll introduce you to because you guys have a yeah blast i would love to meet her um she's doing pop-up stores yep and even so if you're in pop-ups yeah mm-hmm. and even if i think you're in a retail location mm-hmm. for especially something that has to be touched and felt, Mm -hmm. it might not sell, but it's still an impression. Like somebody would see that. And so people have to find you on Instagram or on your website. It's great for exposure. And I mean, in terms of the product that we're selling, like, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't make any, uh, you know, ifs, ands, or buts about the fact that, you know, the products themselves aren't things that, um, and we intended this to be the, the case, but they aren't things that parents have never seen before. Right. So we're not making some sort of revolutionary baby clo- baby garment that's going to, um, you know, 
never make your baby cry or something. (laughs) 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 But um, what really is special about our our stuff is our is our donation program, um, which, you know, we have to be able to really tell people about and they have to be around for long enough to really hear that story um, and understand what it's all about. And then, of course, the prints, which are all, um, you know, original. So people are very on first glance that's what kind of attracts people they think "Ooh, that's so cute i want something with taxis on it i love the blueberries and then our fabrics so our fabrics are are blends that um are are really special to us and um are not only super soft like our bamboo cotton is like it's i mean i think it's it's one of the best materials i've ever felt in terms of um other baby clothes it's super duper soft parents love it and then we also have in our collection a hemp organic cotton blend um, fleece that we use for a sweatshirt and sweatpants. And um, not really any other baby clothing companies are using hemp in their collections. Hmm. Um, and that's um, a material that just in terms of being interested in sustainability and interested in textiles, I knew that I wanted to work with. And being from Colorado, like we're all about hemp here. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> So what's the printing? Because I'm familiar with sublimation, but how is the what what is your printing process? Our printing process we use um so we we use natural fiber fabrics um which actually won't hold like a digital print or a sublimation. So we actually have to use screen printing. Um so it's a traditional screen print. Um but we because we have all over prints on our fabrics, we um we have to use a large format screen printer. So they print the entire width of our fabric. Um and we actually couldn't find anybody in Denver who could do that. So that was another reason why our manufacturing um, was is all out in Los Angeles because um, we found like a couple cut and sews here in Denver that could sew what we were looking for, but it was really the the printing that was giving us trouble. Um, it's hard to find printers here that can do you know a sixty inch screen, which is the what the width of our fabric is. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to see some of that, um, if you had like scraps or remnants of that hemp fabric, I'd love to try that in a prototype. Oh, yeah. Because I think that might be, I I would love to, and nothing against Polar Tech, like they're a great company to work with, at least for me, but if I can get everything Colorado made and explore that, I think that might be. I actually have some for you that I'll send you home with. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. We got it in like a PFD white and a black, so whatever you prefer. Uh, I'll take a little bit of each. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, it was some sample fabric that we actually um, we actually sourced from a sustainable textile um, manufacturer that's based in Glenwood Springs. So they're local. They're called Enviro Textiles. Okay. Um, and we sourced all of our um, all of our sample yardage um, with them, and then wound up finding somebody who like weaves fabric out in Los Angeles that um, just wound up. We just wound up going with him to make the yards of fabric in the um, in the blends that we wanted in order to not have to buy from a third party fabric reseller. So that actually helped us a lot on cost. So questions I always ask um, entrepreneurs, bootstrap people is, was there a catastrophic moment that you had to work through and did you quit or how close did you get to quitting? Oh man, I think about quitting all the time. <laughs> it's Good, it's too. true though, you know? I mean, it's um you kind of always have to remind yourself that this is 
this is the path that you chose and um you know as hard as it gets like you're doing this for a reason and um you know i try at least at least for my business like whenever i get you know super down or i'm stressing out over my business i'm like why am I stressing out so much about baby clothes? Like I should be happy, you know, I get to dress babies. Um, so I do, there's a little element of, of guilt for feeling like, you know, I should have this happy, wonderful business, but it's not all rainbows and, and babies all the time. Um, uh, but I mean, I think that's the way it goes. And I mean, in terms of a crisis that we've had to work through, um, you know, not making production deadlines has been challenging. Um, and really just like, I mean, it's just me and my co-founder like, we're the only, we have an intern who's a business student who works with us. Um, and other than that, I mean, there's just three of us on our team that are, you know, that are doing all of it. So we have to create a brand presence and brand content that can really compete with, um, you know, companies and brands that have a lot more resources in terms of um, people and in terms of, of financial. Um, so it's it can be very stressful to feel like, you know, you're in a saturated competitive market and, and there's an ocean out there and you've only, you know, dipped your toes in. And how are you going to, um, you know, become one of the big guys? You just need... <clears throat> like a thousand true fans right that's what that's seth right. godin says mm -hmm. right you don't need to mm -hmm. own all the babies just a couple thousand mm -hmm. yeah and that's what we're trying to do you know we're really trying to um find our niche and find customers that are really loyal to our brand and love what we're trying to do and i mean we're never going to be able to compete with um you know walmart and target that are selling you know baby clothes and onesies for 10 bucks and that's really not that's really not what we're selling. We're selling our brand and we're selling the idea of um, a social enterprise. We're selling the idea of uh, full circle sustainability. And, um, you know, we're creating beautiful products at the same time. So, um, you know, we just hope that all of those things combine to find us the customers that we're looking for, which are people that um, can and will pay more for um, for a product that that does more. I completely agree. I mean, it's the it's the why behind what you're doing this. You're mm -hmm. just not you're just not selling a onesie with a cool print. Mm -hmm. You can, if you can capture that customer and say this will live on, you know, once your baby outgrows it to somebody that you know you're gonna know who you're helping. Right. I think that's so powerful. Right. Right. And I mean, the goal, <clears throat> the vision for the brand is to really be able to grow out our donation program as we scale. Um, as we scale our business. So as we add new products, as we come out with new collections, as we, you know, um, create new styles and new prints, we're also, um, you know, scaling our donation program on the back end. So we're also able to tell our customers how many units we've donated, how many have gone to Senegal um, versus how many have been redonated here in Colorado. Um, I mean, we've redonated over 4,000 units already. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, we count everything and sort everything by hand when we get it. So it's, it's labor intensive for us, but we do have, um, you know, some, some ideas about how we're going to scale in the future. And I mean, ultimately we want to create almost a, a new model where, um, we're as concerned with the product side as we are with, um, the donation side as well. 
Well, there's a story behind it, and that's, mm-hmm. I think, what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And I, <clears throat> I think even in the age of social media, I don't think that's ever gone away. I think right. it just got sort of turned down a little bit with the, the, the selfies and the celebrities and like mm-hmm. the large scale exposure. But I think the ones that are going to last are the ones that are going to have the stories that are real and legitimate and that have um, a, a, a bigger purpose behind just selling clothes or mm-hmm. chest warmers and making some money. Right? Exactly. Yep. What's the origin of the name? Oh, I should have said that in the beginning. So Bach um, is a Wolof word. So Wolof is the majority language of Senegal. So it's my co-founder and I both speak Wolof. And Bach means to share. So our whole brand um, is centered around this idea of sharing. Um, You know, we already have so many clothes in the world. Let's share what we can. And um, let's make sure that they don't wind up in the trash. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Can you say it's a beautiful day in uh, Wolof? Can I put you on the spot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could say like "Fibi um, Nech." Like "Nech" is like it's 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 beautiful outside. Like it's really nice. And then like "Fai" is day. And how long did it take you to become fluent in the language? Well, I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but it took about like six months to be able to like you know, walk around and, and know where I'm going <laughs> and ask basic questions. And then probably the, the full two years um, that I was over there to really become comfortable in conversation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. And how did you find the Peace Corps? Was that something you had always thought about? Or? It was actually. So um, uh, my, my father actually was a Peace Corps volunteer mm. during the Vietnam War. So he actually did it from 1969 to 1971. He was in the Philippines. Um, but he joined the Peace Corps to get out of the draft. Mm. Um, and I grew up listening to his stories about doing the Peace Corps and that, um, you know, it was the first time that he had ever traveled outside of the U.S. was when he um, joined the Peace Corps and went to the Philippines. Um, and, I mean, it totally changed his life and it changed his outlook on his career path um, and on the world. Um, and... I really, you know, wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do after college. Um, I always knew that, you know, Peace Corps was an option. So I figured why not take two years to learn about a totally new culture and um, travel and, you know, maybe see what happens, see where it leads me. And turns out led me to uh, designing baby clothes, which I never thought that I would be doing. Well, you're doing a hell of a job. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's, it's been probably 15 years since I've had my hands on baby clothes, but mm-hmm. I, can, I can tell um, quality manufacturing and fabric feel and hand, mm-hmm. and it's, it's solid. I, I like it. Yeah, and, we, and I mean, it's, um, you know, not being able to sew or not being an, an apparel designer previous to this, I mean, we owe a lot of credit to the factories that we work with and um, establishing, you know, good relationships with our supply chain. Um, and just, you know, that people really, um, people really come through. It's a team effort. I think that a lot of times that's lost when it comes to clothing, Mm -hmm. that people kind of like zone out all the people that, that go into making the garment. And, um, you know, part of the whole sustainable fashion revolution is to remind people that somebody actually made your clothes and who were they? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. 
it's one of the things on my marketing agenda for this fall and awareness is to actually go down to Canyon City and just take some shots in Linda's spare bedroom mm-hmm. with her seven or eight sewing machines and just like for sure this person touched your garment and you know, it's coming from two people that for sure trying to figure this stuff out yeah there's like um i know there's a campaign that i think it was like fashion revolution do you know what they are they're um uh, fashion rev fash rev is their instagram handle but they're like a um sustainable fashion uh i guess advocacy group and they started a campaign i guess it was like two or three years ago for um uh like every year on i don't know i guess like some sort of holiday that relates to apparel or textile manufacturing. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. But um, they they have this campaign called um, I Made This. So you oh. actually, they encourage brands to go to their factories and they give you like signs and they, um, and you know, the goal is to get as much content of garments and clothing being made and then having you know the actual sewers and the people who do the dyeing and printing or the fulfillment um really be able to you know hold that up and be like i made this i made your clothes and then um to give customers a little bit of a window into what the whole process is like Mm -hmm. i love it so in five years what uh what do you envision what's Mm. on your dream board vision board what have you thought about I think that um, we want to grow our product in five years. Gosh, I can only think about like one year ahead. How about December? Um, about December, yeah. I'd like to have a holiday collection out by then. Um, I mean, I think long-term vision. So what we've really thought about doing is um, is growing, is really vertically integrate- integrating our operations. So um, trying to keep fulfillment in-house as well as keep our donation program in-house as well. Mm. So right now, I mean, we do it all ourselves. We do the fulfillment. Every order that goes out, we pack and ship. um, And every donation that we collect um, touches our hands. We go through them. We sort them. We drop off. Yeah, it's a very cool feeling. Um, But, of course, it wouldn't be sustainable if we were to grow so we have thought about, um, well, five years from now, you know, we want to have our own facility where half of the floor is fulfilling orders and the other half of the floor is managing return donations and really keeping all of that internal to our company so that we can um, hire people and um, keep it local and really work that way, grow that way, as opposed to outsourcing our fulfillment or outsourcing mm-hmm. as much as we can. And I mean, who knows if if we'll move out of Denver or something like that. But right now, the plan is to grow this business here. And um, what is good about being in Colorado and in Denver specifically is that, um, uh, you know, there is a lot of space out when you get to the airport and all that, all that good stuff for relatively cheap warehousing. Um, so it's definitely a viable option for us to be able to um, take those steps to really grow our operations, um, you know, without outsourcing everything. So obviously the dream five years from now is that we wouldn't be working out of 230s Florida Avenue, but we would be working out of um, a nice large facility and we would have hourly employees who fulfill um, and manage donations impacting more people personally Mm -hmm. that's great yeah 
I mean, I'd also love to grow our um, wholesale side of things as well and really be um, super selective about who we work with, but um, really trying to to grow as um, a typical fashion brand grows where, you know, we're focused on direct to consumer, but we're also focused on retail and wholesale and getting our products into stores in cities and in states where people are shopping and they're going to look for a gift and they're going to see our stuff in person and pick it up and buy it. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm excited we met and I'm happy to be a part of this journey for mm-hmm. you. Anything I can do to help, I, I'm on board. And well, Matt, you're good. awesome. And it was super <laughs> serendipitous um, how we met in the first place. And um, I, I'd love to work with you too. Thanks. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna work on getting one of those collars uh, designed for you. I can't wait. That'll yeah, awesome. you'll have a little Bach baby inspired um, <laughs> neck piece. Mm-hmm. That'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do you say uh, thank you and goodbye? And is it Woolif? That Woolif. Yeah. You say Jerry Jeff. Jerry Jeff. That's thank you. Okay. Write that down. Okay. And um. Really say goodbye in Wolof. It's kind of weird, but <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you would say like the like the um. You would say like mangi dem, like manga dem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or demo is like go in peace. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, uh, Margaret Davidson, Bach baby, Jerry Jeff. <laughs> Nyoko book. <laughs> so that's really the another fun translation. So Nyoko book is um. You're welcome, but it directly translates. It's got Bach in it as well. So it directly translates to um, we share it. So instead of saying you're welcome to whatever's mine, in Senegal, you just say we share it. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love I, that. I've always loved that. I think it's a great translation. And um, uh, yeah, it's fun, to, it's fun to share with people what Bach, uh, what Bach means because I think people um, really connect with that. Definitely. And where can people find you? I'll put links to all this when we post. They can like- find us online at www.bachbaby.com. Um, and you, can, you will be able to find us in stores in San Francisco, Phoenix, and New York City very shortly. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool, Margaret. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.